Hello, this is Leela Viss, and welcome to Key Ideas. Piano teaching doesn't come bundled with ready-made solutions. This podcast highlights some brilliant options for innovative piano teachers just like you. The other day, I got an email from Charlene Jarvis, and she said, Hey, Leela, I re-listened to our podcast episode the other day and realized we didn't include how I choose cool repertoire for my kiddos. And I didn't describe how I made it affordable when I started my studio as a young teacher. Of course, this was the perfect excuse to get Charlene to come back for another episode for more chat time, more teacher talk, and it's our pleasure to have you eavesdropping on our conversation. Grab a cup of joe or your sneakers and hang with us. If you don't know Charlene, head on over to episode eight first and listen in on how Charlene rocks her piano studio. Then join us back for our conversation on our favorite repertoire, our opinion on method books, the best thing we both did to eliminate stress over payment for books, and the one thing that is key to student motivation. Nope, I'm not giving away any hints here. You'll have to listen in. All right, she's back. Hi, Liara. Hello, Charlene. Thanks so much for joining me again. This is the best. It is. It's way too much fun. So we just did not get enough time last time we chatted to cover all the topics that have been on our mind. And all we did after the last podcast was make a longer list of all the things that we want to talk about. So we have to go back to that episode the first one that you you joined me on. And we have to talk about repertoire because we did not get to that. I was curious about how you choose repertoire. Your students look like they have so much fun playing their pieces, all that kind of stuff. So let's dive into that topic. And for the very first question, this is an important one, as we were just talking about before we press the record button is, do you use method books and how long do you stay in them before you move out to other repertoire? Yes, I do use method books. Okay. But I'm going to say um, I like methods because I find using a method book is, is helpful. It gives a nice structure. And I think students like to be able to go from one. They like to move from one to the other and see where they're going. But I say, but um, I use several. Um, And if I have more than one child in one family, they are not in the same method because they just end up playing by ear with the other one plays. So I, I usually go through use two or three at a, at a time. Otherwise um, I think I'd go insane hearing the same pieces all the time. And so be honest now, do you teach one page and then go to the next page and then go to the next page or do you Um, allow yourself to skip a page? To be honest, I used to teach that way. I used to, as I was beginning, a beginning teacher, I felt like they had to have every little thing. And the older I've gotten, I, there are some pieces I kind of hate and I just bypass them. And the kids kind of love that. I'm like, you know what? I hate that song. If you want to learn it, (laughs) go for it, but I don't want to hear it. So we're just going to skip and they love skipping and jumping ahead. So I feel like you have permission to jump around if you want to, because, hey, it's your job. It's it I mean, you can do what you want, but I do like, I skip around. And, um, but I also feel like 
they need other things besides what's in the method along well, with that. One of the things that when parents come to interview me, they will ask, well, what method do you use? And I always say this first. I say, I teach a human being and not a method. And then right away, their eyes open. Oh, okay. So that's important information. And then another thing about method books is I notice there's always potholes. It's that, it's that one page, you turn the page and there it is, that piece that you know they're going to get stuck on measure five and you're going to spin your wheels. And so you might as well just move on. Mm -hmm. So yep, I'm with you. Uh -huh. and, and I also think some of them stay so slow too long. So I feel like um, supplementing cool repertoire that's a little bit out of their reach mm -hmm. helps motivate them to um, to work a little harder and progress faster. Cause if they have some, if they're going through and they're, they're quote passing or, you know, feeling like they're moving on the easier pieces in their method, but they have something harder to work for. That sounds bigger. Um, they've got all kinds of goals happening at one time. It just helps motivate them better. And they, they learn better having several different um, goals. I totally agree. And I think, was it you that was saying how boring it would be if you had just a recital of only method book pieces because they could all be stuck right in, in the middle of the piano? And I'm not passing judgment on those recitals, but th you know that's what's fun about the rote teaching now. It, there's full permission. It's okay. Mm -hmm. It seems like I've been doing it for a long time before it was popular, but I have found that students stay happier when they get to move away from that method book and play all over the piano. And they can play big, big yes. pieces. So what I, um, actually in my long years of teaching, um, what started my interest in finding different pieces, uh, I used to teach at Utah State University. We had a youth conservatory, which was a preparatory program, students ages about four to 18. And they would come every week for a private lesson and a group class. And then they'd have recitals every week, but they had this big um, Christmas audition only concert. And um, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. So if your kid, if your student got picked, that was pretty amazing. Oh. And I wanted my students to get chosen, but they didn't get chosen if they played just a basic Christmas carol. You had to find something that was really unique. So that kind of started my, my thinking of, oh, I need to find some cool music. And of course, this was back in the day when there was, you know, you couldn't just go on Amazon or you couldn't go on YouTube because, of right. course, those weren't even actually the internet came out in 93. So this was like late eighties. Okay. Uh -huh. yeah. So I was down to the music store and I'm looking through and playing. Yeah. So um, that started, but of course I didn't have the funds to actually even go buy a whole bunch of music. Mm. And I had to figure out, Oh, how am I going to buy all this music that I want for my students to play? Cause I don't want them just to play out of this rep out of their lesson books, but I don't want to buy it all either. <laughs> Right. So um, my brilliant idea actually at that time was I, I needed to build a library of music, but I wanted to keep it. Okay. Right. <laughs> so I decided I needed to charge a library fee once a year for my students. Mm -hmm. 
And I think back then I charged $20 a year per student Mm -hmm. for the library fee. And then I could, would loan out the music and then get it back. And um, of course my library fee, I, I have a different fee structure now, but um, that was how I was able to build a library of interesting, fun music. And uh, that started. So actually entering my students in this contest, this Christmas contest, opened my eyes to start looking for fun, cool music. Cause I wanted, I got tired of the boring stuff. I know. I know. And I think that's the key is having a library. And at first I thought that every time I give a student a book, they have to keep it for life. And then I realized that oh my goodness, they have piles of books at home and these parents are like, okay, what what do we do with these books? Do you want them back? Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided I'm going to just do this revolving library. And now my policy is, yes, I charge an annual fee. I do not keep track of what I (laughs) I used to keep track of too too much time. And then it not only time writing it down, but it took emotional time. Like I would yes. be mad and think about, Oh, they have my book. <laughs> you know what? Who cares? <laughs> it's I not know. that big of a deal. No, I know if they want, and then, and then here's the deal. If they want the book, keep it. It's yours. I want you to have it if they want it. But that, that release of letting go of nickel and diming everyone for every yes. book. Oh yes. my goodness. That was an amazing, Pivotal moment for me in my billing. For sure. For sure. But, you know, I, I, I know because I'm in a lot of Facebook groups where I, I read things. And, and, I, and I remember being a young beginning teacher and not having the finances to go out and buy a bunch of stuff. I remember being in those shoes right. and not knowing how to broach that subject and dealing with parents that were challenging. And... Um, so that solution really worked. And I can remember having every year getting like, you know, four or $500 at the time just to go buy new music. That was great. And my library, my library is pretty great. It's pretty, it's pretty full. And um, now I have, I have so, so much music. It's awesome. So let's talk about what is in Charlene's library. For instance, uh, one of the categories that I was thinking about is, do you have standards that you have most of your students play? Oh, for sure. Like they all have to learn classical standards, of course. Like you can't, as they're getting older, they have to start learning some classical pieces just because they have to build the foundation for techniques. They have to learn some Bach two and three part inventions and either kids love them or hate them. Mm -hmm. There's like no in between. That's what I found. Um, and they have to learn some sonatinas, Clementine Kulau sonatinas. Um, usually my intermediate kids all like to play the WC preludes, things, things like that. So those are definitely some standards that we tackle, but that's pretty much it. Other than that, I have, I have scads of music and I bought these really cool, um, magazine racks Mm -hmm. actually my daughter um we've got some toddler grandkids and she puts all of the storybooks in these racks so uh this year I put I organized music kind of by level and it's behind my piano and I send uh sometimes my students back and tell them they can choose a piece on a certain area so they can can choose by looking yeah usually the little kids 
you know, I'll just let them choose. And if they bring it, it looks too easy. I say, go to a different, go pick a different one. But then that gives them ownership to, of choosing, just choosing it themselves, you know? So let's go to that topic next, because I found some, I, I, when we were going to tackle this subject of repertoire, I remember giving a session about nurturing potential and what that involves. And I found, I don't remember my source, but there was five motivating factors um, in building motivation in your students. So they were building relationships. And then the second one was provide choices. The next one was to rethink incentives, meaning build intrinsic motivation versus just the extrinsic. And then shape minds, meaning uh, go for a growth mindset versus a fixed, and then relate content, relate whatever you're teaching to the student's life or things that they've learned before. But that second one, the providing choices, I think that is the key to keeping kids on the bench. Yes. 100%. 100%. So, and I'm sure, I'm sure you do this, Leela. Um, my students all have their, whatever they're learning, whatever method they're in, I usually kid them through like maybe level three, sometimes level four. That's the furthest we ever go in a method, never past level four. Um, and then at that point, they're into standard repertoire, but all the way through, even from primer level, they're choosing um, something else. We, they always get a special piece. And for me, I go through before their lesson, this is part of my lesson planning time, I sit down and pull out three different pieces for them that are just a little bit, um, maybe a little bit out of their reach. And when it's their um, time to choose, they get to sit in my special chair, which okay. by the way, is super comfy and squishy. And yes. yeah, it's great. They get to sit in my special chair and then I play, I play the pieces. So I'll play one. And then I'll play the second and then they have to choose which they like better between those two. Yeah. And then I play the third and then they choose which they like better. And then they get to play. They get to choose that one, but they have to choose. And that way when they get, when it becomes hard and they say, Oh, I don't want to do it. Right. Well, you chose, didn't uh -huh. you? Uh-huh. I love you that. You totally one. chose it. Yeah. Uh, is it, it, do you not like it because it's hard or do you yeah. not like it because you know, you don't like it. And they always say, okay, it's just yeah. hard. <laughs> I know. And then once they achieve, they get over that hurdle of hard, then they love and it. they think, oh, I'm amazing, yes. is what they think. Yes. They think, I can't believe I did that. It's the best part. Oh, so going back to the standards just for a second, because you and I were talking about this before I pushed the record button, and we have different opinions on this, but believe it or not, right now I have a couple of kids learning for Elise and a couple of other students learning Claire de Lune all at the same time, which I usually don't even like, but I am finding that this is motivating them. They want to learn it they want to do it. So I know some people refuse to, to teach for Elise and it sounds like you are one of them. It's kind of true. <laughs> it's kind of true, but I will say, and I, but I love Claire de Lune. Mm -hmm. I have no problem teaching Claire de Lune, but I'm not going to teach three kids Claire de Lune at the same time. I know it's a little it's painful. It's, it just happened that way. They all requested it for different reasons. And there's, 
there's a reason why I'm doing it for all three of them, especially this year. You know, if this is what's going to keep them moving forward in a really weird year, then we're going to do it. It's kind of true though. And as you and I were speaking before, what, what works um, for our business, at least for me, the student, your, my relationship with my students is what's most important to me. Mm-hmm. So if I have a student who says, I, you know, Ms. Charlene, I really, really, really want to learn for Elise. I know how you feel about it. I'll say, okay, I'll suck it up and <laughs> do it. I will do it. But you have to learn the B section yep. and you have to exactly. learn it right. Yeah. You have to learn it right, but it will probably hurt me to do it. But I'll do it. <laughs> and you know, my approach to it is, for example, I've got a young guy. I was just telling you about this. Is that he was borderline, almost ready to quit. Mom was just really frustrated with with everything in his life. You know, everything was kind of tanking. And then I don't. I think his dad mentioned, "Oh, I love for Elise." So he came in and said, "Can I play for Elise?" And he played the old version that he had learned a long time ago yeah. from you know a teacher. And he said, "I want to learn the real one." I said, "Okay, well, you have to be able to." erase the old one out of your head because we're going to do the real thing. And he learned that first section in no time flat. He can't stop playing it. In fact, he was playing it for me and it, you know, was looping it over and over. And finally I asked him, so are your parents asking you to stop playing the piano sometimes? He's like, oh yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was the student saver piece. And now I'm show, I'm showing him the <clears throat> excuse me the bridge or I'm sorry the ending the da 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 the triplets at the end he's having a blast with that so we'll plug that in you know Beethoven may be rolling over but I'm saving this kid through the piano through a pandemic getting him through a rough time and he's and loving you know it what? that's <laughs> totally okay and I might be eating my words I might. <laughs> I might be teaching for at least this next semester and have to go, I might just have to do it. I know. So, you know, it's, it's, it's truly all about the kids. It is. Well, and I talked to him too and said, you know, I don't know why or what Beethoven was thinking when he wrote that section B because, you know, everything's smooth sailing section A and then. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe he was having a cake or something. (laughs) Okay. So yes. We've talked about the the standard repertoire and like some of mine are I love to teach musette. Da 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 da. Yes. Just because you can do a lot of that by rote as well, but it feels good. The left hand's playing those octaves. And then the other one I love is Arabesque by I was just okay. I yes, I actually have a couple that are learning that one. Those are great. The Bergmuller pieces are fantastic. They are. They're really wonderful because they sound bigger than they are. Yes. Yep. And um yeah, they're, they're lovely. I teach a lot of Bert Mueller. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. My name is Drew Collins, and I produce Key Ideas for Leela. Coming up, Leela and Charlene share great tips on setting up a no-more-stress student payment system. And they compare notes on their go-to composers for keeping students engaged and excited about practicing and performing repertoire. Before they jump back in, take a moment to subscribe to Key Ideas and help us get the word out by rating and reviewing us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thanks for being part of the Key Ideas community. Now, back to Leela.
we've got the standard repertoire what foundation going. Who are the composers that you turn to first when you're looking for a really cool piece? Oh, right now, Kevin Olson. Oh, my The goodness. kids love oh, Kevin Olson's thing. And you know, he's got the, the best, I'm telling you, the best teenage book is called Impressions on Color. Oh, uh, no kidding. And it's, I mean, it's fantastic. It is. And they're all the pieces. Do you have this book? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, then every yeah. piece in there is fantastic. It's so, so great. So great. Um, Elisa Milne has wonderful, wonderful um, pieces, too. I like them because the rhythms, there's, there's lots of, you know, asymmetrical rhythms that are just unique and different. Um, of course, Bob Vandal's, Robert Vandal's music. Oh, I know. I'm a huge I fan. I just missed him so much. I know. Yeah. And I love that, you know, because his hands were smaller, right? Yes. Which is why he his pieces are so playable. So I have, I always have lots of Vandal pieces. Um, I like a lot of Jennifer Lynn's music. Mm -hmm. She's got some really nice pieces too. But I, and oh, and of course, Diane Heidi. I like, I always love Diane yeah. Heidi's music. Mm -hmm. But I found something new online that everybody should find. Oh, okay. Okay, this guy is great. His name is Martin Neal. Okay. And he is in the UK. And he puts out a brand new piece almost every day for free. I oh, find wow. this to be kind of amazing. Yeah. And they're good. They're okay. good. He has all different levels. And um, it's called Piano. I should look this. I should have had this available right That's here. okay. We'll put it in the show notes. That's good. Um, they're they're wonderful, and I almost I go almost every day, and I print them out. It's so great if you're teaching uh, virtually, right? You can just go right on there, and he has recordings of himself playing the pieces too. Oh, nice. And I had a student that actually played one of the pieces. I sent them the video, and he included her video on his website. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it, but his music's very good. It's okay. very. Um, that's great. And he must have like 50 or 60 pieces on there. And they're all free. Um, so, uh, so, okay. Cause we could go to the whole free issue as well. Okay. Let's talk about that. Okay. Let's talk about that <laughs> because uh -huh. I find that to be incredibly generous and kind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not everybody is in that boat. No. So if someone is selling something, I have no problem paying and purchasing music that I like. You know? I know, it's very rare that you find something that somebody's given away for free mm -hmm. that I find is good to be frankly honest. Right. Right. You know, do you find that to be true as well? I definitely do. And being an arranger, a composer, and you've written things too, you know, you want to feel validated by someone wanting to purchase it, giving their hard earned money to you because you have worked hard because it takes a lot of time to, to compose oh, one thing, just, just one. You know? Well, and I found, um, I'll get in my little soapbox here for a minute. Okay. Here's my, soapbox, <laughs> my little copyright soapbox. Uh -huh. um, there we go. I am super frustrated by what the discussion that I see a lot where teachers just want to photocopy things. And I find as an, as an artist who has written things, it's insulting that someone wants to take my work and just give it away for free. I think that's kind of rude. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I feel like um, our students, it, when you decide that it, that a product is too expensive, you are making that decision for those families. You, you have, you have taken your view, maybe 
maybe in your mind that things are too expensive for you, but that might not be the situation for your students. So don't put your, <laughs> don't put what you think on them because you know what, if they're spending $300 on sports equipment, they're not going to have a problem spending $10 to buy right. a book for music. And that's why we are in the situation that we are in right now. Always feeling Correct. like we're being what we're, we're in the poor sector of the careers that we can have right. in a lifetime. It's totally true. We're not respecting so, our, our own. Right. So when it's time for my students to purchase new music, I either give them, I have things in my library, right? Mm -hmm. um, that I loan things out. And if they love it, they buy it for themselves to keep it. Because I say, yeah, I want my music back. Oh, I love it so much. Great. Get it on Amazon so you can keep it. You should have your own library. Oh, nice. Yeah, that okay. would be awesome. Oh. Or, or, you know, um, I'll just, I'll just take that back. Right. Or I'll, Amazon's great. You can just send them right there and send them the link for certain things. Right. But I don't ever buy any of their regular, like a Sonatina book. I would never purchase that for a student or the Bach two and three part inventions. They should all just have that in their library. So, so my situation, how I, how I do my business with the, the books is I have this revolving library and if they want to keep the book, I let them keep it. So okay. mine is a little bit different than yours, but uh, most parents are giving me all kinds of books back because they don't know what to do with them because they grow out of them. But every once in a while, I'll tell a student, I think you're going to want this one especially like Christmas ones or something that, you know, they can pull out every year. Oh, remember when I used to play this? So there is some, there, there's a nice value for them to keep a few of their favorites. Oh, for sure. I find, I've, I find my standard, um, by the way, back to that other question, um, the big pieces that everyone wants to play are the ones at Christmas time. Because mm -hmm. there are some, there are these, there, there's a couple of arrangers at Christmas. I don't know if you found them yet or not. This, these young gentlemen, Tedesco and Hyde, who have done, oh my gosh. And I'm not talking just their sleigh ride and their, um, Carol, the Ukrainian bell carol. Have you seen their other things? They're amazing. I think I went to their site, but I have not been there. So we will make sure that we add that in the show notes too. Oh, they're terrific. They have like, you know, if you've got advanced students, they've got, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants, Megalovania. Oh, they've got like great things. But anyway, my students all want to play things like that. Those are the things they ask for us to play fancy things where they can crisscross hands and, you know, oh, okay. yes. do those kinds of things. There's one other name that has really taken a hold in my studio. And that was because at the beginning of this year, I decided to celebrate 20th century music. I've done Baroque, mm -hmm. I've done classical, I've done romantic. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do 20th century. So one of the styles was like Joplin just made it into the 20th century. So we did uh, ragtime. And there were so many people who had never heard of Scott Joplin. It was, really? was jaw-dropping. Yes. So it was so neat to introduce them to ragtime. And they loved that. And then I thought, okay, well, movie themes could qualify. But I didn't really want to do anything popular, meaning, you know, a song that's already right. been out. But video games are very, very popular. Mm -hmm. And so Chrissy Ricker has written some great- Isn't she terrific? Yes. She, yes, she should be on my list. She's, she has really great music. She does. And it's so funny because kids will be like, oh, this song is in this game. And then I'll tell them, 
I'll tell you right now that I'm quite sure it's not, but Miss Ricker is very good at making it sound just about like it. And then I tell them about copyrights and how she can't write exactly the, the game song. But that has really connected with a lot of them just because they're fun to play again. They're, they're more pattern-based, but they have a great time playing them. Isn't she terrific? She is. She, and her music's yeah. great. It's easy to get. So speaking of getting music, it's nice to be able to send your students to the composer directly sometimes, right? Yes. Especially, I feel really fortunate, and I'm sure you do too. We've been around the block a little bit. So we've been to conferences. So we know a lot of these people personally. Right. So my students are always like, oh, do you know this composer? <laughs> and sometimes it's true. Sometimes I've met them and I know them. Sometimes I don't. But it's fun to be able to say, yes, and this piece is really terrific and I like it because, and to be able to make sure that the composer is getting paid for what they're doing. And of course, if you have students that compose, my students compose each year, I always talk a lot to them about if they've spent 20 hours composing one piece, we talk about, yeah, gee, imagine if you were trying to sell your piece of music I know. and all your friends decided to give it away for free. Yeah. How would that feel, buddy? <laughs> and they all look at you like, no way. That's so rude. I think, yeah. Mm. So you see why we're not going to photocopy that book that I just lent you? You can mm-hmm. go buy it if you like it a lot. Yes. Yes, definitely. Amen. So Preach it let's the end of that little rant right there. Step so, off that so I, I was looking through our list of things that we were going to talk about. And so where do you pr- purchase your music? Mostly from Amazon. Uh, um, I do there's too. A couple of brick, we have some a couple of brick and mortar stores that we can still go to. Okay. And I'll go down there sometimes because I want to look at things. But my parents, my student families never will do that because it's too inconvenient. They prefer right. me to send a link. So the, we still have one store of central music in town here that will ship things. So, which is nice. I think any music store that's going to want to keep business is going to have to do that. I know. uh, To compete. I love going to conferences so I could, I could buy the coolest new music there first. Right. Um, Right. So I I do that. I get the, but I get a lot of music. um, I get a lot of music online and then my computer's full of, full of music, but I, I personally prefer to have a book over, um, over downloaded things. I lo- and I have an iPad and I can do all those other things, but I, I like a book better. Yes. And where, okay. We talked about where you store your physical books. What about your digital downloads? Do you have any system there for when you do? I just have a, I just have a files and then I've, okay. I've kind of graded it by level and I've got a Christmas file and I have, you know, love primer one through, you know, one through five kind of a thing. And that's just the easiest way I've found to do it. I don't like having to, you know, print it out and, um, yeah. and mess with all that stuff. Cause then I have to put it in a book, but to be honest, my, my piano, my piano rack is really slippery, so it won't stay up. Oh, <laughs> so right. I, have to lam- I have to laminate it all or put it in a binder. It's just okay. super messy. It's always floating around. So I just prefer yeah. That's why I really prefer a book. Interesting. Because now a lot of my students have a binder. I give them a binder and they are ending up liking all their music in the binder. You know, it's just. That works too. You know, those uh, paper protectors. I use yes. that a lot yes. and writing on them with a vis-a-vis marker. Right. Works too. But I did learn a cool trick. Did you know if you write with a permanent marker that um, 
those alcohol wipes will, will wash that off. Oh, cool. Okay. So it will yeah. stay on there better without. Right. But uh, it will wash out. I only know because now that we're sanitizing oh, right. all the time yeah. with these alcohol wipes, now, you know, it will take off permanent marker. Just yes. so you know, there's your tip. Okay, good. So one of the things that I've been using since this pandemic, I have two pianos in my studio. So one sits at one piano, one I sit at the other, and we've got a sneeze guard in between. And then when speaking of digital copies, I have them stored in Fourscore. So they have their own copy on their piano, and then I have mine on my iPad, and then I reflect it up onto my monitor on my wall. It's so cool. It's amazing. It's a fabulous way for us to look at the score. And it's almost like teaching online in Zoom where you annotate, Mm -hmm. you know, the score there. But now I can annotate there. Look at this measure right there. And how does it compare to the other one? It's just a great way for us to talk about the same page, but I'm not over their shoulder. You know, it's, it's, I didn't. That's a great setup. Yeah, it has been spectacular. I've really liked it. It's served its purpose well. It was sitting there for, I usually use it for group lessons when we do things, you know, right. the iPad. And now it's really helping me through this time as well. It I looks it, it's, it looks so, so great. I was pretty jealous this week. Okay. I was doing all online lessons this week. And um, I was thinking how much nicer it would be to have that. I know. I know. <laughs> So you you don't have your parents purchase music if your students need it, but if they want to keep it, then you have them purchase it. So that's it. For sure. Yep. I like that. And do you ever feel like you have problems getting payments from your parents? I know we were going to talk a little Never. Yes. Oh, okay. Never, yes. never, never. Okay. okay. So I used to be, and I know this is a common problem because um, you see this a lot in in lots of groups discussed, but- no more. So um, I charge a pretty hefty um, registration fee. I think it's a hundred. I charge one hundred and thirty dollars a year per child. Okay. But to be honest, that doesn't cover all the stuff I give them. Um, if the students and I, I actually itemize on my website. Um, if they utilize everything that I offer, they're getting about three hundred dollars worth of stuff. Oh, nice. Me. Oh yeah. So I go through and I figure out if you, if you really use everything, you're making bank, man, that $130 doesn't quite cover. So they can see that value. And I just, they charge that flat rate fee and that covers things like, um, if I'm going to enter them into a competition that covers all of those fees that I just don't want to collect money. I hate that more than anything. So, um, they do that in the fall and then, um, and that also covers for their, um, like their theory books and then all the materials except for their method books. So they only, the parents only have to pay when there is time for them to buy new, you know, whatever standard books they're going to be using. Okay. And I, for methods, we're talking, I'll have them do a lesson and a performance. Sometimes the technique, I find those technique books to be like overkill. Yeah. It's pretty much. They've kind of just taken four measures from a song in the other book and then having them practice it again. So, eh, you know, I can take or leave it because I give them a whole bunch. I do a whole different hands-on technique program where they're learning how to play and all their keys and scales. And yeah, we do a lot of that other things. So um, at any rate, that's what they, their, um, the registration fee covers 
as long also with recitals too. I don't, I don't charge recital fees. I feel like um, those should, those come out of that. Mm-hmm. And when they come to a recital, they don't have to pay anything. It's all yep. done. And then um, they pay tuition by the semester. And I tell them I prefer that it's all paid up front because mm-hmm. it's just better for me to budget that way. Yeah. And uh, most of them do, which is great. And uh, those that choose not to pay um, all up front, they can do monthly installments mm-hmm. is what I call them. Yeah. Monthly installments. Thank and I divide you. up their tuition by five months. And I tell them you, um, they can either give me post-dated checks. I only have one family now that does that. The rest, their bank just sends me a check. Oh, once, nice. And, I'll, and I get a, an envelope from the bank once a month with like four checks in it, which is great. Okay. But most people... Pay with Venmo, which is the best. Yes. <laughs> the best. Venmo or um, PayPal is fine too, which I just kind of love. How do you bill them? How do you bill I them? have, um, I use my music staff, uh-huh. although yes. um, I don't really utilize it more than twice a year because <laughs> most of my students pay me up front and I just hop on there, but it's just nice to have all that information there I can see what everybody's doing and right because I use my like music that. staff as well and then they pay via the invoice so you ask yes. your parents to pay you via Venmo instead well I send them an invoice because mm-hmm. I like to see that I send yeah. them that invoice out and then I tell them their options are you can pay th- these different ways and then I I always, after I send the invoice, I don't know about you, but most of my families aren't opening email much anymore. Okay. Mm-hmm. They don't even read them. So I send them a text that says, Hey, I just sent your invoice. Just oh, you okay. Know. Okay. And lessons are starting XYZ. Let me know how you want to handle that. And I have all the funds. I don't do late fees anymore. I did that for a while. And I just found late fees are a pain in the rear end. And they just made me mad and I would add it all up. And the truth is I just want your money. I don't want your, I just don't want that extra $20. I just want you to pay me on time. Yep. And once they do, you know, it's all good. So, but I don't know now I'm older and older and I've got good families that don't mess around with those kinds of things. I know. And we all go through that stage where we have to struggle with people paying us and it is a painful time. And then finally you get those families that get it and then they stick around for a long time and then you don't need new families for a long time. Well, I think we've all, we've all been there. So I I understand um, as I read those things, you know, how hard it is. I know it's really kind of a tricky a tricky place to be in. You know? I would say paying upfront, having a deposit, a, a special fee, I call it, I, I lump it all in one. It's a book technology and performance fee. And that is a yearly charge. But what I do, I charge uh, that to the families in May. So they pay it in May. And then I don't teach as much during the summer. Mm-hmm. I still teach some, but then I've got that deposit the, during the summer, which is perfect. And then, uh, then that is what credited to them in Perfect. the fall. I know it works. I well. do that too in July. I paid. I might all pay in July. And our first lesson start in August, so yeah, it I kind know. of works out. It does to be really to be really nice, but it helps. It helps too for for my families because a lot of them before I even charged a registration fee, it was hard for me to wrap my brain around that. 
whole thing. Um, but when I listed what it covered and really what the value of that was versus how much I was paying out for all of these things I was offering, I went, oh, if they saw that, it wouldn't be so painful. That's nice. You know? So do you have a list? Do you have that itemized list? Oh, yes. It's on my, it's on my website. Ooh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they can totally look and see. Mostly nice. it's, the, it's the rebate. If they get full practice for the month, that adds up. I mean, some months I pay out, you know, $200 to kids. Wow. But they have to really, I can tell if they're not practicing just because they say it. If they, if, they, if they can't really do it, they're not getting that $10, you know? Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? How awesome YouTube is. Can I just oh, say? Yes. We're so lucky. So just yesterday I sent like videos. I didn't have, you know, we didn't have that years ago. So now I, I send those ahead of time. Yeah. And I ask students, choose, these are your three choices. Which one do you like the best? I just and that wrote makes it a little yes. easier. And then I don't have to practice playing this stuff sometime. I know. I know. Because I oh, don't have time to practice some of this advanced repertoire and embarrass myself. I just made a video of how I'm doing that in Tanara. I know you don't use Tanara, but I'm a big, huge fan of it now. And so uh, in an assignment, you can add as many links as you want to. So for the National Federation of Music Clubs, I have my students participate in that. I found a video of every piece and every level. And so I made nice little assignments of each level with all the videos. And then I call it go shopping. And I put oh, that assignment into the students and then they go shopping during the week. And then let me know before the lesson, which one is their favorite. That's a great idea. It saves so much lesson time. Cause I used to play through everything, you know, it is, it does save some, it's totally true. And you know, the, the thing is, um, find the perfect piece for a student you have to know that student. Right. Like if you've got a sporty kind of person, I mean, you can find a piece about sports for them. I don't know. I find that um, knowing who they are and what's happening is really helpful in picking the right piece for them too. So I, I'm really, I'm sure you're like this too. You just have to be really, I'm, I'm really thoughtful about who it is I'm choosing music for and what they need. Right, right. Okay. And I like it when they choose something and then they realize that, oh, that was a little bit harder than I thought it was. And I've also agreed to back off with them like, you know what, let's try a different one instead. So I don't mind that. You know, at first I thought that would be a fail, but I don't think so. It's it's letting them see, oh, okay, I love the sound of that, but it takes that much more work. And um, it's letting them kind of self-assess and mm -hmm. realize that, oh, okay, maybe I'm not as good as I thought, or maybe I need to work harder, all those kind of things. So it's kind of a you fun. Yeah. Don't you love it when they look at a piece of music and they've decided that it's really easy? And, mm -hmm. you know, you can't like, you can't look at music sometimes and just know. Yeah. And they get in and go, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Yeah. I yeah. have a group of four learning the, um, the Gallup March by um mm. by Lavignac. I'm not even sure if I'm saying this right. It's okay. the best. Oh it's okay. four on one piano. Oh and, wow. Um it says it's level two. Okay, it's so not level two. Oh, just yeah. so you know. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's a whole nother issue we could talk about is leveling pieces. <gasps> oh yeah. <laughs> An easy piano that's oh. really like level five, six. Give me a yeah. break. Don't I tell all my students it's a lie. Yeah. 
that's a lot. But anyway, I, yeah. I never give my adult piano students any book that says easy on it. Oh, well, I cover that up with a sticker. <laughs> on every one that I give that says easy piano, I do my best to cover it up. I said, nobody wants to play because they feel dumb. No, I know. I know. Yeah. And one other thing, one other composer, Melody Bober, has always been. Oh, she's so list. great. Yes, she's top on my list too. Yeah. And all my adults want to play her. Yes, yes. They just feel good. They sound good. And my students have really liked the, her newest books that are in all keys. She has a flat book and a sharps book. Oh, which is good. really neat. Yes, yeah. Yes, I, I love her. Her yeah. music is just wonderful. You know who else has beautiful music is Mary Leaf. Yes. Yes. Her arrangements mm -hmm. are just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. yeah, those are, those are my favorites, but Kevin Olson, actually my teenagers beg to play his stuff. We just, a student of mine is working on Ochre Mountain. I'm not <gasps> even going to say Yes. Uh, I, I mean, you said it right too. Okay. I kept saying it wrong forever. I, re I memorized it because it was so hard to know. But the Red Rocks Rhapsody is all about the Red Rocks here in Colorado. is gorgeous. And then uh, Front Range is gorgeous as well. And those I are haven't inspired. done that one. Yes. It's, they're, um, they're just, they fit the right, I don't know, they're, they're in that pocket of just what, especially those teenagers need that makes them sound cool, gives them a challenge. Yes. Um, they're not into the classics as much. They've already played River Runs you know, river flows right. through you, whatever, they're you know, they're technically challenging. Yes. Um, but they, but they sound good. Yeah. 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 That's why he's top of the list. So, and they I all know. want, they just all want to play. They all want to play his things. So, you know, he's kind of my, he's kind of my, my fave. And that Federation list, the new one is just packed full of a whole bunch of his stuff. So I've got one student playing jam on toast. It's so cute. Oh, I have that one too. Okay. okay. Yes. And so as we know, then the key, if you want to keep your students is repertoire. There we go. That's it. You just summed up the whole episode right there, Miss Charlene. So thank you for chatting about this. I know it's just fun to brainstorm, to think through repertoire and compare notes. Don't we always, we're always curious, what is somebody else doing? And is someone letting their student play for Elise? Okay. I am, I plead guilty and you know what? It's Okay. We're having it a good is time. Okay. You know what? And <laughs> I'll, I will report back if somebody asks me oh, okay. to do it. It's out there. Oh my gosh. It's probably going to be my thing. <laughs> I dare you. How's that? Oh. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Charlene, for hanging out with me. Good to see you again. We'll have you back and we'll hit on another hot topic. That was super fun. Okay. Enjoy your cold weather over there. Yeah. I'm going to go out in the sun. Oh, nice. All right. Take care. And see ya. Bye. Yes, this episode is loaded with nuggets on how to approach repertoire, student motivation, and an A-list of composers. Soon after we signed off, Charlene and I noticed that even though we wrote them down, we neglected to mention composers Wendy Stevens, Winan Rossi, and Dennis Alexander, just to name a few. To get the full list of composers, the pieces we mentioned in the episode, a video of how I organize the Go Shopping assignments in Tanara, and much more, head to the show notes at leelavis.com slash key ideas. If there's a piece or composer that we didn't mention in the show that's one of your favorites, make sure to leave it in the comment section. 
I leave you with this quote from Jennifer Gonzalez of The Cult of Pedagogy. When students believe they are doing something authentic, something that will improve their lives or have some kind of impact, they are naturally motivated. Here's to finding the repertoire that keeps your students on the bench for a lifetime. And that's why we stay in the trenches. See you there.